8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. Well, welcome, welcome indeed to the show. And the first half is normally a big hitter. Today was very different, but I hope you enjoyed that. And we'll give you updates on that World Cup game, England and Colombia, uh, throughout that second half. So the second half of our show is uh, what we call the the big picture. Where we, we pick up an issue and we try and get a big picture around that. And and today is interesting in the sense that we, we look at the life, really, the life, the legacy and the leadership impact of um, Patrice Lumumba. Now, yesterday was his birthday. He, of course, was um, the elected prime minister of the of the DRC. He was the very first one, of course. So one may think about him in terms of Mandela-esque uh, implications to to that country in terms of what he's done there. Um, and then he died, and and there's whole there's a whole story around, you know, how he died and who did what. So we'll talk about him and what we can learn from him uh, central to not just talking about him of course we now enter july which is you know is mandela month lots of things happening and it draws attention not just to 67 minutes but his own legacy and and what he did and how he did it and and what can we as south africans learn from that and and uh, not just be inspired, but by put into practice as well. So I welcome your call. Specifically, it is about the legacy in the life of uh, Patrice Lumumba. Uh, but but it's beyond just that. We're looking at just general leadership as well and his leadership style as well. So to take us through all of that, besides your opinion, um, is uh, Tando Sipuye, who's an African Center historian and executive member of the, the Black House Collective, which is effectively a think tank of um, of people on the continent who, who push Pan-Africanism. Uh, Tando, appreciate your time and, and good evening. Good evening, uh, Ashraf, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So so let's talk about Patrice Lumumba, first of all. Yes, yesterday was his birthday, but you know, I, I would I must assume some people know who he is, but I must also assume that many people do not know. So perhaps a very quick history lesson in terms of who he was. Yes, uh, um, thank you once again, Ashraf, uh, for this opportunity and to speak about the great son of the soil, Patrice Marie Lumumba. Uh, Patrice Lumumba was an African nationalist and a revolutionary pan-Africanist uh, from the Congo. He was born to uh, farming parents uh, named Dolenga Otichima, and uh, his mother was uh, Wamato Lomenja, um, and they were from a, a region or a district called Katakokombe in the Congo. And uh, Patrice Lumumba is basically the man who led the independence struggle in the Congo. And um, he became the first prime minister of the Congo uh, when the Congo received its independence from Belgium in 1960. Okay, do we? I think we've just lost you for a second. Um, oh. Okay, we've got you. Know, we, you just seem to have disappeared for a second. But you, you mentioned he became the first, just pick up from there, he became the first prime minister, right? Go on. Yes, uh, yes, he became the first prime minister of uh, the Congo in 1960 after the Congo received uh, its independence from Belgium. And um, Patrice Lumumba was basically an, an Africanist, a pan-Africanist. He also was one of the founding members of the Organization of African Unity when it was established uh, later in the later years. Um, rallying for the unity of the African continent. But uh, basically, Lumumba is also the man when the Congo received its independence from Belgium. He advocated for an Africanization of the system of government. 
and uh, declared that um, the Congolese people had fought for their freedom through blood, sweat and tears, and that uh, now that they had received their independence, um, the Belgians should not expect that they they will continue to be, you know, the custodians or the guardians or the parents of the Congolese people. You know, the Congolese people would lead their own government and establish their own economy. And he, he seriously and honestly wanted to change the material lives of the Congolese people who had suffered immensely under the Belgian uh, colonial uh, regime. Uh, you would know that uh, the Congo had been colonized by Belgium and they were ruthless. Um, king named Leopold II, mm, mm, mm. who committed um, atrocities which are unimaginable. More than 20 million black people in the Congo were killed under Leopold's regime uh, for harvesting rubber. And so you have companies such as Firestone and so forth who collaborated with this government in raping the Congo, murdering the people in the Congo for the resources of the Congo. So when 1960 came, Patrice Lumumba um, became the leading figure, you know, of the independent struggle of the people of the Congo. All right. And, and in him becoming the, the leading figure, what role then did he play? And of course, you know, we will make comparisons with, uh, with the fight for, um, if not to end colonization and that said, but certainly to get freedom uh, in terms of South Africa's own freedom struggle. Give us examples of, of what, what, what he did. Well, you know, immediately, you know, uh, it's it, it's quite sad that Patrice Lumumba didn't get really enough time to to actually implement some of the ideas that he had. But basically, as I've said, he thought uh, because they inherited a colonial machinery, government machinery, a colonial government, colonial administration, and so forth. And um, the Belgians, uh, during the independence uh, ceremony, the, the then king of Belgium, who was known as King Badoin, he, during the independence celebration, he praised the Congo, um, you know, for its so-called development under colonialism, and even went uh, further to refer to what he called the genius of his great uh, uncle, uh, the murderers and rapists, King Leopold. And so during the Independence Day celebration, Patrice Lumumba was not meant, he was not scheduled to speak. Uh, but after he had King Badun uh, praising uh, the colonial regime, praising uh, what the colonialists had done for the people of the Congo, and thereafter the next person who was scheduled to speak was the then um, uh, president uh, Kasavubu, mm-hmm. who was the state president, and when Kasavubu spoke, he also praised the Belgians, thanking them for even giving uh, the people of the Congo their independence. And it is at that moment that Patrice Lumumba, uh, impromptu, um, he shocked everyone. He just stood up and went up to the podium and uh, made his speech in which he fiercely uh, spoke. And uh, I would like to just quote some of what he said. He said that we are proud of the struggle, of tears, of fire, and of blood to the depth of our being. So it was a noble and a just struggle and indispensable to put an end to the humiliating slavery which was imposed upon us by force. And so when he said those words, Amongst others, most European journalists and the colonial administrators who were there were shocked 
by the you know um, the charisma, the stridency of uh, Lumumba's speech. The Western media lashed out at him. They ridiculed him and spoke of him as someone who lashed a venomous attack on Belgium and so forth. And generally in the West, uh, even America and others, they saw his speech as an attack on the colonial authorities. And it is that speech actually that uh, put Patrice Lumumba's life on the line. Mm-hmm. He, from that very moment, he was targeted by the colonial authorities. He was sidelined by even some of his own Congolese people within the government, like Kasavubu. So, so when you say very moment, that was like at the, with the colonial authorities. Okay, interesting. You say very moment. That means that that is at the very birth of the of the Congo as we know it, from day yes, one. Sir. Yes, sir. From the very birth of the Congo, Patrice Lumumba was identified as an enemy to the so-called independence because you would understand that, in fact, Belgium did not really want to give the Congo its independence. They sought to uh, have uh, their stooges who would manage a government on behalf of the colonial uh, nations. And so basically what uh, Kwame Nkrumah had described as neocolonialism, you know, uh, the Belgians had sought to implement the system of neocolonialism in the Congo. And Patrice Lumumba was opposed to this. And he was vocal and he was speaking up and as an African, a pan-Africanist position, saying that Africa is for the Africans. The Congo, the Congo is now for the Congolese people. And we are going to work for our own government and build our own government without having to rely on these erstwhile oppressors. Okay, I'd, I'd love to know what I'd love to know what happens next, and I also welcome callers. Uh, so you listening in, you must have a view on on Patrice Lumumba and, and who he is, and and how much do you know about him? What impact has he made? You've certainly heard him uh, being very very fearless at the time of the independence of uh, of the Congo. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. The viewpoint, eight to ten p.m. on SAFM. And uh, we will cross to Muhammad Ali again in about 10 minutes' time. England leading now one goal to nil in that World Cup last 16 game. Patrice Lumumba is who we talk about now. My guest is uh, Tando Sipuye from the African um, from the African Centre, well, he's an African Centre historian and also executive member of the Black House Collective. Okay, we were talking about uh, the Congo at the time of independence and, and, and the role that Patrice Lumumba took, but you already made the point that from that day on already he was enemy number one uh, in terms of the former colonial masters, I could say. What what happened next then, um, uh, Tando? Um, in the next is, um, you know, the Congolese was besieged by um, an eruption of mutinies, you know, uh, throughout uh, the country, particularly on the lower side of the Congo. And uh, this led, um, on the 8th of July, Patrice Lumumba then decided to even rename the, the colonial army, which was known as the Fourth Public. And uh, he renamed it the Congolese National Army, and he went on a program to try and Africanize the military and the force uh, by appointing Sergeant Major Victor Lundula and um, Joseph Mobuto as a colonel and uh, uh, the army. Uh, uh, I mean, the army chief of staff. And these promotions, both of them, you know, um, they they had 
flaws in the sense that some of these uh, people were not really qualified for this post. But uh, because Patrice Lumumba felt that there was a need to Africanize the system, he put these uh, two men in place in charge of the army. With the mutinies that were happening throughout the Congo, uh, a number of Europeans were killed. Uh, such that uh, some of them even barricaded themselves in an office building for safety in Buluabek. And then uh, estimated about around about 30 uh, Europeans were murdered in those mutinies. And um, Patrice Lumumba and the president, Kasavubu, embarked on a tour across the country to try and promote peace, um, you know, in the country. Uh, and, and also promoting these uh, two new appointed army leaders. But... Um, Anyway, on the 10th of July, the Belgians intervened and dispatched about uh, 7,000 Belgian troops into the Congo to try and uh, so-called maintain violence. Uh, Most of the Europeans... Sorry, and let's confirm, is is that to maintain violence or to maintain peace or law and order? Sorry, they they said to maintain uh, law and order. Sorry, pardon me for that. Um, You know, Europeans at that time were in a a part called um, the, the Katanga province, most of them, which possessed uh, most of the Congolese natural resources. That was the most part which was rich in mineral resources in the Congo. And then um, following these days, a number of uh, civil killing, civil war erupted throughout the Congo, such that Patrice Lumumba left and went into the United Nations to try and seek help went further into um, America as well uh, in diplomatic um, diplomatic engagement with, you know, other authorities in the world to try and get help for the Congo. Uh, because he felt that the Belgians did not have the, the interest of the Congolese people at heart, and they wanted to destabilize their government. So he was looking for other help internationally that could, um, you know, and assist the Congo in rebuilding a new nation. However, I mean, I'll cut the the long story very short because it is indeed a a, a long story with a number of details. Mm -hmm. Because in the whole month that followed from July right up to December, there were mutinies, there there was chaos, civil war in the Congo. And Patrice Lumumba did everything he could using all the diplomatic means and uh, regrettably, he failed because he was betrayed by his very own people, people such as the Kasavubus and others within government, who then later collaborated with the government uh, in, in deposing uh, Lumumba because of his position of not wanting to um, collaborate and work with the Belgians in the way that they wanted to work with them in the Congo, using them basically as the stooges of the Belgian government. So um, it then happened that um, around uh, December, Patrice Lumumba um, was arrested. He was incarcerated with two of his colleagues. And uh, in the following weeks, uh, it is the story of his murder ensued. And uh, I think we can talk about that. Okay, so so let's get perspective. He then effectively was, was the set up as the future prime minister but that he's and becomes the prime minister but but immediately he's part of a, of a completely divided country because of a whole lot of level of interference as you've just suggested so unlike say a mandela you don't you're not leading in peacetime there's no hope there's no new dawn at all there's 
effectively there's this massive trouble, right? Uh, and and yes, after yes. that that period when he was finally incarcerated, how how long ago was that in in a timeline? How long was he the prime minister before he was incarcerated, and then of course had passed on? He became a prime minister in, in June, the 30th of June, 1960. On the 14th of September, that very same year, he was under house arrest. He had, he had been arrested and he was arrested by um, the traitor, Colonel Mobutu Seseko. You know, uh, Mobutu Seseko organized a coup d'etat, uh, which uh, incapacitated uh, both uh, Lumumba and Kasavubu. And uh, Lumumba was placed under house arrest. And on the next day, at, at, at the prime minister's at the prime minister's residences, you know, and uh, you had United Nations troops which had been positioned around the house, you know, to to prevent uh, his arrest at the hands of Mobutu troops. But nonetheless, the United Nations itself ended up collaborating with Mobutu troops, and um, you know, in November, the United Nations voted to recognize Mobutu's new. Uh, government and the new delegates at the General Assembly of the United Nations is regarding completely uh, all of the people who have been appointed by Patrice Lumumba. You okay, know? Wow. And so mm. uh, three days later, uh, Patrice Lumumba fled into a, a region called Nopaldville in, in, in the Congo. Um, and um, still, even then, with support from the United Nations, United States and Belgium, the troops of Mobutu Seseko managed to capture Patrice Lumumba in a region called Lodi on the 1st of December. That's when they caught him. And um, he was moved to uh, Port Franco, and then the next day he was flown back into Leopoldville. And uh, the United Nations forces did not interfere or intervene at any of this time. And they could have helped and they could have assisted uh, Patrice Lumumba. And if they could have done that, Lumumba perhaps could have uh, survived and been alive even today. Mobutu then claimed, Mobutu Seseko claimed that uh, Lumumba would be tried at a court of law for inciting the army to rebel and uh, so-called crimes against humanity. This uh, never happened. Um, instead, uh, Patrice Lumumba disappeared from the public face completely. And um, you know, the story goes that on January the 13th, uh, Patrice Lumumba with um, two of his uh, colleagues, and they were arrested. I mean, they were captured and they were taken into the forest in the Congo, driven into the forest at night while... Uh, tied hands and feet, and um, indeed they were put before a shooting squad. They were shot at, and after they were shot and killed, their bodies were chopped into pieces. They were put into tin drums, and then their bodies were thrown into uh, acid. They were dissolved with acid, and then they were burnt with fire. In fact, there is a documentary that speaks of uh, the assassination of Patrice Lumumba, where the Belgian officers, the Belgian colonial officers who were responsible for chopping Patrice Lumumba's body, they speak and they tell the story. And uh, one of them even takes out of his pocket a tooth 
which he says this is the only remaining part okay, of wow. that that is very very horrific let's let's talk about he what happens next let's talk about what happens next in terms of his legacy um and and now therefore what we can learn from from it's so a very short-lived leadership position uh from the congo of course and the country changed to zaire once again uh, or rather changed to zaire now it's back to the congo um or the drc <laughs> 8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. Welcome. Your calls 0891-104207. If you want to join the conversation, talking about in particular Patrice Lumumba and 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 his legacy and and what we can learn from him and that that period of massive acrimony around well euphoria on the one hand in terms of independence from Belgium uh, the Congo and then thereafter acrimony in terms of a all-out civil war and then very shortly uh, from his position as the Prime Minister of uh, the Congo uh, he was he was captured and then uh, as you may have heard uh, uh, shot via as per firing squad um, and and so much more around that so what are the things we can learn from from him then in terms of what in in his short-lived position as leader of a country but certainly a longer period uh, and, and still very youthful in terms of his role uh, in gaining independence for his country short-lived independence i should say my guest uh, tando si Puis, uh, so by the way if you wish to call in 0891104207 we do have um, the whatsapp or voice notes that you can certainly contribute as well Keep it to about 30 seconds. It's ideal if you do just that. 0614-104-107. I like it when you do that. 0614-104-107. If you do 30 seconds, it means we can get more people to contribute via these uh, these voice notes. Uh, but if you want to engage longer, then you can certainly call in 0891-104-207. Let, let's, let me bring it in um, as uh, Advocate Sipa Mantula has called in. Uh, Sipa, good chatting to you as always. Hello. Uh, hello, Asraf. Good evening, Asraf. Thank and you. To, uh, Tando Lab. Thank you. You may want to just tell us then, you know, what do you want to talk about? Lessons to learn, I suppose? Uh, Asraf, yes, there are lessons to learn. I don't know whether you saw an article of yesterday which happens in Brussels, in Belgium, that renaming of a square after Lumumba. This I, is I'm aware of it, yes. That, um, what is so said, Asraf, is that uh, what is needed now, what Tando has now narrated, the issue around transitional justice, reparation, repatriation of the stolen goods that Belgium benefited out of Congo since 1884. And when you look again, Asraf, what is key again, learning from Lumumba, is that it is marking 60 years when he went to the All-Africa Conference in Ghana, in Accra. That's where there's a link between Lumumba, Nkrumah, and Sokoture. And that's where I think Tando captured it very well when he was raising the issues from the 1959 to the 1960s. But there is that lull period of 1958 where he was able to move and even being concerned about the southern Africa. There is a, a part on his missions, uh, Ashraf, that he was very concerned. PT South Africa lessons that we can learn it is that we have, we have in, actually have active business that has been doing mining and minerals in Congo without benefiting ordinary people of Congo. That is one area that we are not doing very well, that we are part of the looting, and we have played a role, Ashraf, in the inter-Congolese dialogue. I think that's one area that we should not say in terms of peace and conflict resolution. We have not attempted to assist the country that has been having the United Nations peacekeeping mission since 1960. Until today, I, I, I don't know in any part of the continent mm, yeah. or, or the world we have the peacekeeping missions 
that have stayed for more than 40 years, are they keeping peace or are they fueling conflict? I think those are the questions I sort of that will always keep on being reminded about the Democratic Republic of Congo. All right. Well, there you are. Thanks for that uh, contribution, Advocate uh, Sipo uh, Mantula. Let's get back then to our guest, Tando uh, Sipu. Yeah. Uh, voice notes welcome, 0614-104-107, or to call in directly and get live on air and engage with me, 8 9 So from your side then, uh, Tando, uh, amongst the lessons we can we can learn from him? You know, I, I, Ashraf, um, Patricia Lumumba was the first Congolese to articulate a narrative of the Congo that contradicted, um, you know, the traditional Belgian views of colonization as having uh, done something good for the people of the Congo. And he highlighted the suffering of the indigenous population under European rule. But furthermore, Patricia Lumumba was alone amongst his contemporaries in encompassing and all Congolese people a narrative when he was talking, because most of the others were still caught up in their tribal ethnicities or regions. Mm. And uh, Patrice Lumumba offered a basis for a national identity, a collective national identity um, for the people of the Congo, of the Congo, predicated upon the survival you know, of colonial victimization, dignity, humanness, strength, and the unity of, of, of the people of that land. You know, and I think one of the things that uh, Lumumba espoused was the values of humanism, you know, which included the values of egalitarianism, social mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. liberty, and the recognition of fundamental human rights for the people of the Congo. Patrice Lumumba viewed the state as a vehicle for the alleviation of the poverty, the suffering, and the struggles of the people of the Congo for over hundreds of years against colonial rule since the days of um, uh, King Leopold when uh, Mm. people of the Congo were forced to go into rubber plantations or they would be mutilated, cut off hands and cut off feet. This is the background against which Patrice Lumumba comes in. And this is the pain that Patrice Lumumba was articulating and saying, now that we have a free government, let us use the machinery, the state machinery, to change the quality of lives of our people. How? We will not become ministers to feed ourselves as we see how African uh, leaders have become today, but we will serve the people. We will become the servants of the people. So now... And I think... Uh, Yes. Yeah, yes, I, I was sure. saying now, if, if I fast forward to, to now, right, um, I mean, all, going back from, mm-hmm. from all these years ago, considering what happened to him and, and, and his country, his new country was very, very divided already. What, what is he thought of now by the people of the Congo? What do the Congolese feel about him in general? In terms of his legacy, meaning is it a is it a clear legacy of a hero? Is it contested to say what hero? Somebody else has got a completely different story, and he and he's got what he deserved. What what is his what is his accepted legacy in 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 the DRC? Um, in the years uh, shortly after he passed away, Mobutu Seseko uh, ruled the country as Zaire, and you would know that. Uh, in fact, Mobutu Sesego tried to erase the legacy of Patrice Lumumba. 
um, you know, any, there was absolutely no reference to him at all. Basically, they tried to wipe out the memory to erase him completely from the national consciousness of the people of the Congo. But after, um, you know, uh, uh, particularly, I think, in the 90s, 80s, 90s, Patrice Lumumba, his legacy has become familiar because his legacy does not only belong to the people of the Congo. As I said, he was a pan-Africanist. And then the caller who called him, Advocate Mandulo, he also Mm. mentioned how he was concerned about not only the liberty of the Congo, but he was concerned about the liberty of uh, South Africa from apartheid rule. He was concerned about things that were going on in Mozambique uh, at that time, you know. He was connected to the struggles of African people throughout the continent. And uh, it is that heartbeat, that pulse of his, which I, I really think that we have lost as an African people today. We, we are so isolated in our small little corners and enclaves, in our colonial inheritances, these states. And uh, if you know the organization of African unity, which Lumumba was a part of, um, they, these are the people who wanted to build an Africa that is one, one United States of Africa with one army, with one economy and so forth. And these are the ideas that Lumumba himself espoused. Okay. But as I've said, Ashraf, over and beyond anything, the Congo is the richest country in the African continent with minerals. And Lumumba wanted these riches, these um, you know, uh, natural resources to be used for the well-being of the Congolese people, to be used for the well-being of African people in general. Okay. Let's take, let's take another call. Uh, Jay from Durban. Hi, Jay. Hi, Ashraf. You know, uh, what I gather from here, it's it's a lesson that many, many countries can learn from uh, of recording everything in detail and then eventually, like, I hope it doesn't become like South Africa where they go burn all the recorded history is destroyed and the memory of a person working so hard for the country not as an individual for himself, but for the country and for the people. This is a wonderful thing about people who write history and record things. And I hope that every detail is kept securely for the future generation to bring up the country back to its status and to its people. Thank you very much for the lovely program. Okay, thanks for for listening in and and for calling in Jay. Uh, from Devon. Right, we've got about two minutes to go. We'll get you updates. So it's still 1-0, by the way, England against uh, Colombia. We're getting to the close of that game. We'll get an update on that uh, later on. Uh, Tando Sipuye with me. Uh, t- Tando, in terms of... So, so w- w- what about the rest of Africa now? So if we speak about him in glowing terms, as you do, right, um, are, there, are there African leadership, you know, right now across across the various nations that that you know that not just are inspired by Lumumba but but would quote him directly is as how they've been inspired and therefore they've lived their lives according to his own traditions are we, are we getting that Ashraf regrettably um, you know the Patrick Lumumba that we're talking about he was 34 years the first thing I must mention when he was uh, murdered yeah. mm. he was a young man Today we have in Africa a crisis of grandfathers who are leading the states throughout the African continent. You have old men in their 70s, in their 60s, who 
most of those old men are the old men who collaborated with the colonial government. Those are people who who who, who did not um, espouse an Africa that is free, that runs itself as people such as Patrice Lumumba, you know, uh, envision. These are people who wanted to collaborate, to go and sleep at the state house that slept the very same colonial master, to go and drive in the very same, you know, uh, cars and, and trudges that they drive in the blue lights and so forth. People who simply wanted to inherit a state machinery so that they can loot, feed themselves, feed their families and feed their friends the so-called corruption that we see in the African continent. Okay. It was encapsulated very clearly by uh, uh, Kwame Nkrumah when he spoke of neocolonialism. And he said neocolonialism is the m- most dangerous uh, stage of, uh, you know, okay. imperialism. We're going to leave it at that because our time's up. Maybe another whole discussion on the impact of neocolonialism and what that really means. Thank you for your time. Tando C. Puye, uh, who's an African Center historian, also executive member of the Black House Collective. Right, we'll give an update on that score. It's still England 1-0 against Colombia, getting to the, to the close there. But the Book of Zone 6 starts now.